1 Corinthians chapter 11. I have a, I don't know if it's a, you might call it a bad habit, I might call it a good habit, but I have a habit of when I come upon some thoughts that just are there in scripture, they leap out, you haven't seen before, that I look into these things and you can go a lot of places with scripture that back up the thoughts that they bring. And one of them is found in verse 17 of chapter 11 of Corinthians. And uh, we read there and a few other verses with that. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresy among you. That's what's causing the division, of course. That they who are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone's taking before the other his own supper. One is hungry and another is drunk. We're talking about a church. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God? And shame then that have not, the poor people. What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you? In this, I praise you not. I don't know if you've ever got a letter from somebody that was a little like Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Maybe it was wrong, maybe it was a letter. Um, I can remember back to when I got married. We got married. And Pastor Rowley Smith... <laughs> He had, the wedding cake was up there and he cut a bit off and he gave it to Jill. He said, now, give it to Gavin. Gavin, this is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. And I have two aunties that were jokels, ex-jokels. <laughs> and they hit the roof. They didn't say it, they didn't stand up, it's a wonder. But they got, there was letters come later. I don't think, I've never, I never kept them. <laughs> but they were quite upset about what happened on that occasion and other things. Anyway, Paul got here to write a letter that was inspired by God and <clears throat> teaching them that they need to work things out together. Work things for the glory of God. You're shaming the church. You're not building the church. You're not edifying each other. You're competing with other, each other. A lot of it really, when you look at it, comes back to pride <clears throat> and by the way one of those aunties is my best friend now so that's all right that's worked out <laughs> she said I want you to do my funeral I, I don't know that that'll happen but <laughs> could let's pray thank you Lord for your word thank you Lord that it gives us instruction on how to live and how not to live what to do and what not to do as Christians there is a certain manner and standard of behaviour that we are to have, particularly in the church. There's a reverence to be had. There's a respect to be had for we are meeting with the Lord. We are meeting, yes, with one another, but there thou art in the midst, as your word says. And I pray that as we look at a few more things, for the better or for the worse, that we might be doing the better, not the worse. 
We pray and ask your strength to do this and the glory to your name to come for what we do here at the church. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as I questioned you last time, I was a couple of weeks ago, we're here in Corinthians. Where do you hear that phrase? For better or for worse? A wedding. And if you're not familiar with doing <laughs> the vows to the young couple, for better or for worse? I've been hauled over the coals by our father after I'd not said that, said some other things that I regularly say, and I thought, okay, I see where you're coming from, but I'll still use that in the wedding vows or something different. But for better, for worse. When we become Christians, we get married to the Lord, <laughs> for better or for worse. This is life from here on. There's going to be troubles and there's going to be blessings. And the older you get, the more troubles come because the Lord has grown you to the point that you can handle those troubles. And they're really for the better, though we might think they're for the worse. <laughs> we don't like them. And Hebrews 12 speaks to that. Last time we are looking at some things that are for the better. Why do we fellowship? Why do we come together? Well, for fellowship, we looked at that. For worship, for doctrine. These are scriptures we had for edification, exhortation and understanding, for preaching. Uh, that by the foolishness of preaching, he'll save those that believe. It says it in Scripture. For building up one another in our most holy faith, Jude. For sanctification, that is to be changed into Im the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be more like him as we go our way and, and know how to become more like him as we go our way, being taught from the Scripture by the Spirit of God. And then we move to where we didn't go, um, <clears throat> to rejoice with singing. And this is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians, chapter 5, and verse well, 19 and 20. We'll start with verse 18, actually. Be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the result of a church being filled with the Spirit and individuals within the church being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. It's not just repetitious words. Sometimes that we, our minds often not thinking about what we're singing, but they should be from our heart to the Lord in the rejoicing. It, if you go to the Old Testament... It just comes to mind, there was an occasion when they went to war. And who did they send out in the front of the battle? Singing. <laughs> she was singing. She wasn't holding weapons. <laughs> and they were singing. And it defeated the enemy. The enemy doesn't like us rejoicing in the Lord. He doesn't like us singing. Uh, Mr Sutton, was it? Who stopped us singing <laughs> in the church? Because we might spread the flu. You know, the devil doesn't like singing. Especially when it's, well, <laughs> only when it's to the Lord and lifting up and glorifying his name. <clears throat> Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's someone else that didn't like singing either. And it was a wife of a husband. He came home, well, he was coming home rejoicing because the ark was coming back to Jerusalem. 
Who was it? King David. And, and his wife despised him for, you're making a fool of yourself, husband. I, I, she looked at them, oh, I'm ashamed of him. He's, he's just so happy, <laughs> so rejoicing in the Lord. And uh, she told him so later about her thoughts. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> singing. It's something we need to do. And this is not only given once in Scripture, it's given in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Almost for word, what we find in Ephesians. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And how can we teach and admonish one another? How do We do this with the children too, with children's songs. <clears throat> in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with your grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So it's a manner of teaching. How did the Jewish people, or put it this way, what did they sing? We've got it here. We've got the hymn book in our Bible. The Psalms. Now, when you hear them sing, you thought, huh. <laughs> it needs a bit of, to be able to follow, what do you call that? The, the melody, thank you. <laughs> it needs the, needs the melody there more. But what they've got is what they learn and how they learned it and how to remember it and how to rejoice. And a lot of the psalms was sung. And some churches took that up too. They did singing without instruments. David used instruments, okay? <laughs> As you read in the book of Psalms when he sung. So I don't think it's wrong to do that. We had some folks come once to church and the parents of the folks were here and they said, oh, we never thought they'd come to church because you have music there, because you have a piano. And I thought, that was sort of, oh, okay, I, I see where their, their history is and where they've come from and what they believe in that. But this is a part of coming together, singing and rejoicing and praising the Lord. And in Malachi, <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3, something else that is for the better when we come together as Christians. Malachi chapter 3. And we, <clears throat> we read there in verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one with another. And the Lord hearkened and heard, uh, heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that had feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. They come together to talk about the weather. They come together to talk about their, what's on now, their basketball team. No, no, it's tennis, sorry. <laughs> tennis is on. Cricket. Cricket's on. <laughs> my team won, my team lost. No, they didn't. They didn't have cricket in, that, in those days. They, might have had, they had sports. And they had Olympics back then. But they talked about the Lord, what he's doing. What's he doing in the world? What's happening where we can see, obviously, it's the hand of the Lord moving today? <laughs> well, where do we stop? We could go through minor prophets, major prophets. We could go New Testament, Matthew. We could go to Revelation and speak, and Thessalonians and Corinthians, and speak about what the Lord's doing. And a book of remembrance was written about them. I wonder if the Lord's writing any more books of remembrance about those that rejoice in and fellowship around the Lord. So sharing the truth. And as in Acts 2, which is one of the major ones 
of the early church, and I mentioned that this morning in chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued, this, the early church, steadfastly, and we've looked at a few of these, but in doctrine, in, we've looked at fellowship and doctrine, and in breaking of bread. What was the breaking of bread? The Lord's table. They were breaking bread. And as we see in Corinthians, in the church, they were doing it on a daily basis, but it had become a feast that was not what it should have been, not what the Lord intended it to be. They were drunk. It says there, they were drunk. And so <clears throat> remembering, we come together to remember. And that's what we say. And my last little devotional before the Lord's table that I did was about remembering. And it says, this do in remembrance of me, a little bit later in verse 24 of the chapter we're in, 1 Corinthians 11. And then again, when we partake of the blood, the cup representing the blood, as often as you drink it in remembrance, to remember. We need to be reminded. That's why we need to have our devotions. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to fellowship. Come together to remember, to be edified, to be sanctified, to rejoice, to sing, and to share. And, as it says there, also they came together to pray. The four things that are mentioned there in the early church that they came together for. And they were on fire for the Lord. Pentecost had just happened in, in Acts 2, and so they were rejoicing in the Lord at this would happen. <clears throat> what did most of them believe? Even Paul, who wrote all about the Lord's coming, what did they believe about that? It was going to happen real soon. <laughs> They thought it was going to happen soon. And some of them, the Thessalonians, thought it had already happened because someone wrote them a false letter, signing it with Paul's name. And uh, they got it and they, th they thought, oh, no, we've missed the rapture. <laughs> Nobody will miss the rapture. It doesn't have to do with what we do. It is what the Lord will do to us and taking us out of here. Uh, <clears throat> so in remembrance and praying. And in First Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, something else that we do for the better. And verse 7 through to 9. The end of all things is at hand. We can say that better than Peter can. <laughs> Could, sorry. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. There's some good things teaching for us today. Above all things, have fervent charity, agape, love, among yourselves for this charity this love shall overcome a multitude of sins <clears throat> we read in verse 9 using hospitality one to another without grudging <laughs> we think of hospitality I think in the way that they thought of hospitality then in fact they went a lot further with hospitality than, than we go with hospitality you see, if a stranger come into town, and you knew when strangers come into town, there's cars whizzing around, can't see faces, but you knew when they walked into town or rode a horse or water donkey into town, there's a stranger in town. And it's late in the evening. What were you to do as a Jewish person? Invite them in. Take them in for the night. Unprepared, just come in, welcome, have a meal, put your feet under my table, sleep in our beds, and we'll give you security for the night. There's an occasion in the Old Testament where that happened and the men of the city gathered around. We want to talk about the rest of what happened that night. 
But we are to use hospitality one to another without grudging. This, you can imagine if, you, if you're the first house on the main street in town, here comes another one. I don't want to look out my window tonight because I might have to invite them in. Let the next person, the guys on the outside of town, go the other way. They can take them in because you know, money comes short, food is expensive. They had reality like that. They had it worse than they didn't have running water and the things we have today, the amenities we have. But <clears throat> using hospitality one toward another, that's, that's part of being in fellowship for better, ministering one to another. And one that might uh, get on a few corns, 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll be using this one tomorrow actually. <clears throat> it's one of the key verses I'll be bringing up to the folk with the Lamingtons. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, that's the emphasis tomorrow, <laughs> let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now, <clears throat> it's not talking about the Lord's gathering. Sometimes we'd like to put something in there that's not there. That's when Paul came to take the offering for, from the Corinthians to give it to, to others, to other churches and down in Jerusalem they were suffering. They'd been put out of their homes and jobs and so he said gather it before I come, get it together, take your offering up for a month maybe or whatever so that when I come there's no embarrassing, forcing, twisting arms behind their back and saying now give, you should give, you haven't given brother, you know. <laughs> no. He didn't want that. He wanted to be free will from the heart as 2 Corinthians 8, 9 talks about. So the collection for the saints. We call it collection. Now we'll have the offering tonight. Um, <clears throat> what I don't know if it's good or bad, but we do it electronically these days. Uh, I would say maybe a third of... No. A third of it, yeah, comes in cash. A th two thirds of it comes through the electronics today in, in the church here. It's probably the average all round. Some people just don't like using that. But the collection. We meet together to take up that which will meet the needs of the church and the people and the missionaries that we can help out and encourage with this giving toward the ministry. So giving, and I've, I have mentioned We'll put down First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter eight. Second Corinthians, chapter eight, and verse two. He said, "How that in great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty they were poor people, but they had great joy, abounded to the riches of their liberality. The poor people gave more, as it seemed, than the rich people, and that's what Paul said. This is what happened in churches of Macedonia." And in verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, this is the Corinthian church now, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in love, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. And what was this grace that he was talking about? We meet together for the better, forgiving to the needs. Did you have an office in Israel, anywhere, in any town where the government gave people money? No. <laughs> but through the church, this is was to happen. And it would have happened 
in Israel on certain times and occasions. When they harvested their crop and they come to the corner of the field, they were to cut the corner like this and leave the corner for the poor people to come and take so that they had something to eat. That was their social security system in that day. It wasn't money, it wasn't giving. But here, let's abound in that grace, giving to the Lord's work. Verse 9, he called it a grace again in 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, ye through his poverty might be rich. And in Second, no, it's First Corinthians, First Timothy, chapter six. There, Paul talked to the rich folks and said, "Look, meet the needs of the people that are around you." So, abound in this grace. That's a better thing to come together for. Now we get into the worse, the things that are not good, that shouldn't be there. And, and this is what Paul was talking to the Corinthians about and stepping on toes. <clears throat> I wonder how many talked to him next time he came round. But anyway, he, he wrote the letter, in all honesty, before the Lord, chapter 3 and verse 3 of First Corinthians. We have written there, First <clears throat> Corinthians 3, 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions are ye not carnal. So there's three things there that are for the worse. Don't come together for strife, divisions and envyings. Don't do that. And we can envy somebody else for what they have, what they uh, own, what they have as talents. We could do that. Don't come together for that. And in chapter 1 verse 11 of 1 Corinthians or 10 and 11 now beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Liberals would say, see, all get together, it's all covered by love, don't talk about doctrine. No, <laughs> that's not what it's saying there. It's in harmony of doctrine that unity, Christian unity, happens. For it had been declared unto me of you, my brethren by them who are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. And I partly believe it, he said. <laughs> this, is, this is Paul. This is not the reason to come together. This is a negative. This is for the worse, that there are divisions and contentions among you. And their contention was, well, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And who was the other one? Uh, anyway, they were following different leaders. <laughs> because we have so, inter so many internet preachers everywhere, I could start saying names. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> and we, we might follow them. They have no accountability. You don't know them. You don't know their families. You need to check out where they're at. They might be a teacher you wouldn't follow if you knew them and their life. That's why a local church... That's why local church, because you know you're living in the community, living with people. You see what's going on. Um, <clears throat> Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. This is a sad occasion where there was contention and division. And this wasn't in the lower ranks, we might say. <laughs> this was in the leadership. And we have in chapter 15, verse 39... 
And the contention was so sharp between them. Who was it? Paul and Barnabas. Apostle. An apostle. They still had an, a flesh. <laughs> they still had a body. And there's some time might have led to these things. Either was wrong or both were wrong or partly wrong. So sharp between them that they departed asunder. Paul was pretty cut and dry, wasn't he? And it was about taking... Um, who, who, who left them in the ministry? Was it? John Mark, yeah, John Mark left them while they were out on the missionary journey. Paul said, no, he failed us. He quit when the going got tough. He's from a soft family. They're a rich family. He couldn't stand the pressure. <laughs> so he's not coming with us to the second missionary journey, embarrassing us again. And Barnabas, being one a son, son of consolation and, and an encourager, that's what his gift was, yes, we've got to take him. We've got to get him back into the... <laughs> You can see the arguments from both sides. Uh, well, it says it there. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, never to be heard of again. So Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So it seems that the Lord was with Paul and Silas. Uh, there are historical accounts of where, what happened there in, in Cyprus. But the contention was sharp. It shouldn't be, and it probably was on display among the people. Was in scripture for display, isn't it? Contentions for the worse, envying strife. Now God used it for the good, because two different groups went out as missionaries then at that time to to, to preach the message. Um, <clears throat> in the in the book we're in, and some many months ago, years ago, that we were where, because we haven't been in Corinthians a lot, there is the one in First Corinthians chapter 6, First Corinthians chapter 6, and it was about litigation that was happening in the church, and dare any of you having a matter against a brother, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? You know, amongst the fellowship, know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this life, do you set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church? I speak this to your shame. This was a shameful thing. This was for the worse for the local church at Corinth. The, the, the magistrates and the judges and whoever they had in that day uh, maybe not, probably not Christians, most likely not Christians, saw what was going on, saw this was between Christians. Is it so there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. A brother goeth to law with brother and that before the unsaved. Now therefore it is utterly a fault. This is a fault among you because ye go to law. This was something that was not good. This was for the worse. Why do you not rather take the wrong, suffer the wrong? Why do you, why do you not rather suffer and be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong. And he said that many times. It was wrong, wrong, wrong in that phrase there. That's for the worse. And from that can develop what's spoken of in the book of Hebrews, for the worse for a local church. And chapter 12 and verse 15. 
looking diligently lest there be any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and by it many be defiled. <clears throat> people can read people. You can read people. You can tell by the demeanour of a person, demeanour or whatever, there's something wrong. There's an issue with that person. They'll be in a corner and not smiling. Or whatever. There's something I miss. People have come up, Pastor, is something I need to help, you know, sister, brother, so and so with, because there is that that can is displayed. It's not a joyful attitude, not a Christian attitude. And there's a root of bitterness maybe in the person's life. There shouldn't be, because it's going to lead to trouble you and many will be defiled. Many will be hurt. Is that outside the church? Inside the church. It's going to hurt, it's going to hurt people. That shouldn't be happening. And um, <coughs> churches should be growing, not grow, going, going backwards. But it's often because of bitterness and these things. In James chapter 3, verse 14, as obedient... Whoop, that's Peter. Further to, back to James chapter 3. Verse 14 and through to 18, we read, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This is among Christians, shouldn't be in the fellowship. This is for the worse. For this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Pretty pointed. For where envying and strife are, there is confusion and every evil work. Are you envious of somebody? for what God has given them, for what God has done through them. You can be easily, the, the, you know, the green thing of envy, they call it the green envy. <laughs> Christians shouldn't have it amongst themselves. We should be rejoicing with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep, that are hurting. That's, that's the Christian attitude. Envy and strife and clamour. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, it talks about what shouldn't be there for the worse, and that's clamour. <clears throat> and in Ephesians 4, verse 30, we read there, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, that's the third time that's come up, but I'm looking at, and wrath, and anger, and clamour, <clears throat> and evil speaking, be put away from among you with all malice we're never malicious are we we're all people we can be that way the old man can get a hold of our lives and go lead us astray and then he said the opposite this is what should be and be ye kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you what's the debt he's forgiven you everything everything all our sins are washed in his blood. And so <clears throat> no clamour, wrath or bitterness that are there. That shouldn't be. That's for the worse. That will do damage to you and your relationship with the Lord and the fellowship of the church. And there's the last one. There's a lot more, but there's, <laughs> there's pl plenty enough of we, as we've had. But over in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6 and verse 19, and this is one of many occasions this thought is brought up. And <clears throat> chapter 6, 
and verse 19 he says and false witnesses that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren in chapter 11 and verse 13 a talebearer revealeth secrets but he that is a faithful spirit concealeth the matter in chapter 16 and verse 28 mine are all colored in i can find them easily <laughs> a froward man soweth strife and the whisperer separateth chief friends if you're whispering in a corner in a in a, in a faraway room in church to somebody else and somebody comes in and you have to stop maybe you were sowing strife <laughs> so don't go in a dark corner be out in the open and talk to one another and encourage one another in the faith maybe I should have reversed these and did the positive one second for the better and not for the worse but these are some things because we are saved people we shouldn't have for the worst things and there's a multitude of the sowing and whispering and strife that's caused from that in the book of proverbs so paul's disapproving declaration and we're out of time we'll finish the others the next one will be their diverse divisions in verse 18 their divergent disorders in verse 19 and so on as we go forward in the book of 1 Corinthians 11. You say, well, Paul listened to whispers and gossips. We read it tonight. <laughs> Who was the whisperer? Those of the house of Chloe and Chloe. Paul, please come. Trouble in the church. I don't think they were whispering. I think they were trying to sort out the issues that were there in Corinth. The problems that were there in this carnal church, this divided church. But they still, still seem, seem to get a crowd along to Corinth, the church. That's what's, it's amazing. In the early church, things were maybe a little different to us at the end of the church age at the start there. The Lord use us to unite us together around the truth of the word and not around our feelings. Careful when you go off with your feelings and that can be dangerous scripture scripture back to the word let's pray thank you lord that over and over again you've given us instructions on the things we should meet for for the better that we might come together to rejoice to fellowship to be built up to be edified to be encouraged and to do, to do the same for other people and lord that we wouldn't come together for the worst that we find a lot in Corinthians to divide, to pick on, to whisper, to gossip, to grow better and not better. O oh Lord, give us the spirit of grace for one another, knowing that, yes, we all have struggles. And at times we might do and say things that are not right. Forgive us on those occasions. May you draw it to our attention and we would be aware of that that we would write it with our brothers and sisters. Bless us as we go our way and may we come rejoicing again as we meet in midweek. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.